poets and intellectuals of this time, the innovative minds, the intelligentsia, those that are breaking down the barriers and choosing a bohemian existence, escaping from dreary suburban ideals and materialistic death traps. Where are these engaging people? The risk takers, the revolutionaries, those living apart from this big unrest, those escaping the sterility of corporate junkies who get high on materialistic consumption. Welcome to the Bohemian Beat. We will journey beyond the horizon and find the artists living on the edge, going down into the murky waters of their very existence, where these brave souls have re-emerged with art that is challenging, original and brutal. You have tuned into the Bohemian Beat. I'm Riddy, with you for the next hour with poetry and music. And settling in with some music, Lincoln Park. Burning in the skies. Oh 
album A Thousand Suns, exploring concepts that blend human ideas with technology, human fears, your fear of what's going to happen in the world, such as the fear of nuclear warfare. In Matthew Arnold's 1867 poem, Dover Beach, he laments the uncertainties and bitter world that we as peoples of a modern civilization find ourselves a part of. This is a moving dynamic of the older poetic philosophy of Romanticism and its evolution into the more cynical modernism of the Industrial Revolution. From within this turmoil, the poet says to his beloved, Let us at least be true to each other in our marriage, in our moral standards, in the way we think, for the world will not be true to us, and although it presents itself to us as a dreamland, it is a sham, it offers nothing to ease our journey through life. This next piece, Dover Beach, is based on the poem and is performed by the Fugs. The sea is calm tonight, the tide is full, the moon lies fair upon the straits. On the French coast, the light gleams and is gone. The cliffs of England stand, glimmering and vast out in the tranquil bay. Come to the window. Sweet is the night air. Only from the long line of spray where the sea meets the moon blanched land, listen. You hear the grating roar of pebbles which the waves draw back and fling at their return up the high strand. Begin and cease and then again begin with tremulous cadence slow and bring the eternal note of sadness in. Ah, love, let us be true. Let us be true. Another, the world which seems to lie before us like a land of dreams, so very us, so beautiful, so new, hath really neither joy. certitude, nor peace, nor help for pain. And we are here as on, as on a darkling plain, where ignorant armies clash by night. And we are as on a darkling plain where ignorant armies clash by night let us be true to one another let us be true to one another 
us be true, let us be true, let us be true to one another. was Dover Beach by the Fugs, based on the poem of the same name by English poet Matthew Arnold. Some consider Arnold to be the bridge between Romanticism and Modernism. His use of symbolic landscapes was typical of the Romantic era, while his sceptical and pessimistic perspective was typical of the modern era. W. H. Auden's poetry ranged in style from obscure 20th century modernism to the lucid traditional forms. Unlike other modern poets, his reputation did not decline after his death. He is widely regarded as one of the greatest poets of the 20th century. In this next poem, If I Could Tell You by Auden, the poet addresses his beloved where an almost humanistic belief love alleviates the inevitable harm awaiting underpins the uncertain future ahead, which only time in retrospect can reveal. If I could tell you, time will say nothing but I told you so. Time only knows the price we have to pay. If I could tell you, I would let you know. If we should weep when clowns put on their show, if we should stumble when musicians play, time will say nothing but I told you so. There are no fortunes to be told, although, because I love you more than I can say, if I could tell you, I would let you know. The winds must come from somewhere when they blow. There must be reasons why the leaves decay. Time will say nothing but I told you so. Perhaps the roses really want to grow. The vision seriously intends to stay. If I could tell you, I would let you know. Suppose all the lions get up and go, and all the brooks and soldiers run away. Will time say nothing but I told you so? If I could tell you. I would let you know. Setting with the sun, oh, show me. I just tell myself that something more could help to keep my conscience clear. It's all because of you know.
you are listening to the Bohemian Beat, produced at Bay FM in Byron Bay and heard nationally across the community radio network. We just heard Balagomingo with I Just Tell Myself. And before that, Ralph Fiennes reading a poem by W.H. Auden called If I Could Tell You. The Russian poet Joseph Brodsky was expelled from the Soviet Union in 1972 and was assisted by W.H. Auden in settling in America. In 1964, the then 23-year-old Brodsky was arrested by the KGB and charged with the crime of malicious parasitism. In the Soviet Union, which during that time was declared to be a workers' state, every adult-abled person was expected to work until official retirement. Thus, unemployment was officially and theoretically eliminated. Those who refused to work or otherwise did not work, study or serve, risked being criminally charged with social parasitism. Charges of parasitism were frequently applied to dissidents and intellectuals whose activities or writings were considered against the regime. I will read out this famous transcript between the judge and the poet Brodsky that was smuggled to the West. Judge. And what is your profession? Brodsky. Poet. Poet and translator. Judge. And who told you you were a poet? Who assigned you that rank? Brodsky. No one. Who assigned me to the human race? Judge. And did you study for this? Brodsky. For what? Judge. To become a poet, did you try to attend a school where they train poets? Where they teach? Brodsky. I don't think it comes from education. Judge. From what then? Brodsky. I think it's from God. The judge sentenced Brodsky to five years of internal exile. Living in a village near the Arctic Circle, he crushed rocks and hauled manure by day. But by night, he wrote, and he improved his English by reading Auden and Frost. This next poem, Odysseus to Telemachus by Brodsky, delves into the Greek mythology of Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey, which centers on the Greek hero Odysseus and his journey home after the fall of Troy. It takes Odysseus 10 years to reach home after the 10 year Trojan War. In his absence, it is assumed he has died and his wife Penelope and son Telemachus must deal with a group of unruly setters who compete for Penelope's hand in marriage. In Brodsky's short poem, he focuses on the personal relationship between the father and the son. Odysseus to Telemachus. My dear Telemachus, the Trojan War is over now. I don't recall who won it. The Greeks, no doubt, for only they would leave so many dead so far from their own homeland. But still, my homeward way has proved too long. While we were wasting time there, old Poseidon, it almost seems, stretched and extended space. I don't know where I am or what this place can be. It would appear some filthy island with bushes, buildings and great grunting pigs, a garden choked with weeds, some queen or other, grass and huge stones. Telemachus, my son, to a wanderer the faces of all islands resemble one another, 
and the mind trips numbering waves. Eyes soar from sea horizons, run, and the flesh of water stuffs the ears. I can't remember how the war came out, even how old you are, I can't remember. Grow up then, my Telemachus, grow strong. Only the gods know if we'll see each other again. You've long since ceased to be that babe before whom I reigned in the plowing bullocks. Had it not been for Palamides' trick, we too would still be living in one household, but maybe he was right. Away from me, you are quite safe from all the deeper passions, and your dreams, my Telemachus, are blameless.
from a song cycle called Penelope, heavily inspired by Homer's Odyssey and brought into a modern context where a woman's husband appears at her door after an absence of 20 years suffering from brain damage. A veteran of an unnamed war, he doesn't know who he is and she doesn't know who he's become. While they wait together for his return to himself, she reads him the Odyssey and in the journey of that book, she finds a way into her former husband's memory and the terror and trauma of war. A poet and soldier known for his war poetry on the horrors of trench and gas warfare was Wilfred Owen, who lived between 1893 and 1918. His poetry stood in stark contrast to both the public perception of war at that time and to the confidently patriotic verse written earlier by war poets. In this next poem by Owen called Conscious, a soldier describes his experience in the hospital amid confusion, pain and the shock of battle, leaving him with nothing to say. His fingers wake and flutter. Up the bed, his eyes come open with a pull of will, helped by the yellow mayflowers by his head, the blind cord draws across the windowsill. What a smooth floor the ward has. What a rug. Who is that talking somewhere out of sight? Why are they laughing? What's inside that jug? Nurse? Doctor? Yes, all right, all right. But sudden evening muddles all the air. There seems no time to want a drink of water. Nurse looks so far away. And here and there, music and roses burst through crimson slaughter. He can't remember where he saw blue sky. More blankets. Cold. He's cold. And yet so hot. And there's no light to see the voices by. There is no time to ask. He knows not what.
Letters versus Numbers with If I Don't Make It Home. And before that, Richard Burton reading a poem by Wilfred Owen called Conscious. Owen's earlier poetry was influenced by the Romantic poets, including Percy Bysshe Shelley. This next poem by Percy Bysshe Shelley is an excerpt from Prometheus Unbound, a poetic play that tells of the torments of the Greek mythological figure Prometheus who gave mankind the secret of fire in open defiance to the decrees of Zeus, and who, as punishment for this generosity, was chained to the Caucasus Mountains and exposed to horrible tortures. In Shelley's version, Zeus is overthrown, which allows Prometheus to be released. My soul is an enchanted boat, which like a sleeping swan doth float upon the silver waves of thy sweet singing. And thine doth like an angel sit beside a helm conducting it, whilst all the winds with melody are ringing. It seems to float ever, forever upon that many winding river between mountains, woods, abysses, a paradise of wildernesses. Till like one in slumber bound, born to the ocean, I float down around into a sea profound of ever-spreading sound. Meanwhile, thy spirit lifts its pinions in music's most serene dominions, catching the winds that fan that happy heaven. And we sail on, away, afar, without a course, without a star, but by the instinct of sweet music driven through Elysian garden islets, by thee, most beautiful of pilots, where never mortal pinnace glided, the boat of my desire is guided. Realms where the air we breathe is love, which in the winds and on the waves doth move, harmonizing this earth with what we feel above. We have passed ages' icy caves, and manhood's dark and tossing waves, and youth's smooth ocean smiling to betray. Beyond the glassy gulfs we flee of shadowed peopled infancy through death and birth to a diviner day 
A paradise of vaulted bowers lit by downward-gazing flowers and watery paths that wind between wildernesses calm and green, peopled by shapes too bright to see, and rest having beheld, somewhat like thee, which walk upon the sea and chant melodiously. Great age begins anew, the golden years return. The earth doth like a snake renew, her winter weeds outworn. Heaven smiles and faiths and empires gleam, like wrecks of a dissolving dream. mask has fallen the man remains king over himself free from guilt and pain women frank and beautiful and kind lurking emotions once they feared to feel Once they could not think Change to all Which once They dared not be Great Age by John Webster with Brinner Band, based on the poetry of English romantic poet Percy Bysshe Shelley.
and an excerpt from another poem by Shelley called Prometheus Unbound, read by Vincent Price. Shelley has stated that Prometheus Unbound awakens and enlarges the mind. Irish poet William Butler Yeats considered the work a sacred text, an allegory of how man could recapture his soul from the elements that bound it. This next poem, The Song of Wandering Angus by Yeats, uses classic Greek mythology and ancient Celtic fairy symbolism to illustrate a man's desire to always be searching for something. I went out to the hazel wood because a fire was in my head and cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread and when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out I dropped the berry in a stream and caught a little silver trout. When I had laid it on the floor, I went to blow the fire aflame. But something rustled on the floor, and someone called me by my name. It had become a glimmering girl with apple blossom in her hair, who called me by my name and ran and faded through the brightening air. Though I am old with wandering through hollow lands and hilly lands, I will find out where she has gone and kiss her lips and take her hands and walk among long dappled grass and pluck till time and times are done the silver apples of the moon the golden apples of the sun. Through the woods and frosted moors As the snow-caked hedgerows eye down upon the drifting snow Sleep beneath the melting sky I whisper all your names I know not where you are But somewhere, somewhere, somewhere Here upon this wild bending star And I'm full of love Glimmer from afar that I cling 
until with my fingers as we go spinning wildly through the stars and I full of love and I full of wonder and I full of love and I'm falling on the Senses. I rise up with the dew The snow turns to streams of light The purple heather grows anew I call you by your name I know not where you are But somehow, somewhere, sometime soon Upon this wild abandoned star And I'm full of love And I'm full of wonder And I'm full of love And I'm falling on the ocean Cyril Cusack with The Song of Wandering Angus by Irish poet William Butler Yeats. Imagist poet Hilda Doolittle, like Yeats and other modernist poets, increasingly wrote quest poetry in which the poet figures as a central myth-making figure creating new meanings in a world whose symbolic systems have been shattered. In this next poem, Helen in Egypt by Hilda Doolittle, also known simply as HD, was written between 1952 and 54, where Euripides' play Helen is used as a starting point for a reinterpretation of the basis of the Trojan War, and by extension, of war itself. In Homer's version of the Trojan Wars, only the male version of the story is told. In HD's Helen in Egypt, the silent heroine speaks for herself. This is HD reading an excerpt from Helen in Egypt. There's Achilles before Troy. He recalls Helen upon the wall. You say I could not see, but God had given to me the eyes of an eagle. You say I could not know how many paces there were from turret to turret. There was bitter discussion and hate. She could leave by a secret gate and the army be saved. Why does she hold us here? The winters were ruthless and bleak. The summer burnt up the plain and the army with fever. They fell as the ears of wheat when a reaper harvests the grain. Is this the harvest? Year after year we fought to enter a prison, a fortress. Was she a prisoner? Did she wanton awake or asleep? Did she dream of home? An arrow would settle it. But no man dared aim at the mark that taunted and angered us. And we asked, would an arrow pierce a daemon's heart, a devil? 
Had she enchanted us with a dream of daring, of peril, as yet unwritten in the scrolls of history, unsung as yet by the poets? I counted the fall of her feet from turret to turret. Will the count even yesterday's? Will there be five over? This was a game I played, a game of prophecy. If she turns and shields her eyes, gazing over the plain, yes. If she waits, as she waited day before yesterday for ten heartbeats before the second gate, no. What was the question to which she gave the answer with the measured fall of her feet or her pause over the rampart that bridged the iron gate? Shall we strike as my legions had struck first through the long fight, or shall we take second place and leave the Trojans' fate to Odysseus? Did the command read backward? I stooped to fasten a greave that was loose at the ankle when she turned. I stood indifferent to the rasp of metal, and her eyes met mine. You say I could not see her eyes across the field of battle. I could not see their light shimmering as light on the changeable sea. All things would change. But never the glance she exchanged with me.
the Bohemian Beat, and that was Eurydice by Sleep Thief. And before that, an excerpt from Helen in Egypt by American Imagist poet H.D. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this epic hour of poetry and music, and make sure you tune in again next week for more explorations into the human predicament. Ending today with a track by the Pogues, Love You Till The End. Thank you for joining me on the Bohemian Beat. I'm ready. Just want to see